At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Welcome to the Psycho Vertical Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Kirkpatrick. I apologise, it's been a, I've been a bit slack on the old um, podcasting of late. I don't even know what date it is at the moment. I thought it was, I thought it was Friday today, but I think it's, I think it's Tuesday. Um, uh, I don't know why, I don't know why I've not been in the, the podcasting frame of mind, but just, just not really. Um, so today. T- today I thought I uh, I've got like an hour I've got an hour so I had a question from somebody um from from Germany um from Nile um it's not very really German name um um maybe it's a nihilist uh, is that a, do you have to be do you have to be German to be nihilist I'm not sure um anyway so this is his question uh he uh, blah 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 actually he he sent me a, an email saying that I should do more podcast like the one where I was driving uh, where I nearly cr- crashed a car several times maybe wants to kill me anyway but then he goes on to say would you please talk about belaying I'm a German alpine club instructor and teach kids how to belay bringing any person up to a good standard isn't easy I have noticed it takes mileage and a learning with a thick skin I'd love to hear your thoughts about aspects which are Knowing where to stand and how to move at each stage during a cl- during a pitch, being aware of your weight vis-a-vis the leaders and what that means, knowing when to keep tight and catch hard or give a bit of slack and catch dynamically. What do you? What do you? What do you? And some basic commandments which would should not be broken. Uh, what about culture? Where does it? who does it well germans can be poor at it the french worse the irish a bad copy of the brits americans better than most which is hard to admit what about devices what should a beginner be using a munter a tuba an abd how bad would a partner have to be for you to say fuck this clip in direct call off belay and abseil and never phone that person again I noticed that there are some, there are not necessarily a correlation between good climbers and good belayers. There's a thread on Mountain Project about Adamondra essentially can't hold a Grigri. I'm guessing that would never be be challenged. I guess he would never be challenged on it. A beginner will always assume a strong climber can belay. So quite a bit of that, quite a bit in there to to to, to talk about. So um, yeah, being being a a belaying instructor must be quite must be quite difficult um you know when you see when you have a you know when they get like little small kids to belay and they have like one kid holding the rope and then they have another kid holding the rope behind them and another kid so they have like three kids always seem like quite quite a good technique uh i have i have been climbing i have been climbing you know quite a few times with people who are really bad at belaying and it's um you do get kind of it's one of those things when you're when you're not beeling properly it doesn't really matter because you know that you know you can you're they're safe but when you see somebody else doing exactly the same thing to you like when you take a photograph you know you look when you're when you're climbing you look down and the person's basically got the rope in their teeth and they're taking a photograph or they're they're doing something like that it's uh you know <laughs> it's different from when you're doing exactly the same thing so um Knowing to so start at the beginning, knowing where to stand and how to move each stage during a pitch. So, I guess it, I guess it always depends your your location. So, the, like a lot of this is going to be really really basic stuff for some people, but a really good a really good test if you if you're taking someone climbing or you're teaching someone to climb someone to belay, 
is to when you if you if you start if you think you trust them, uh, like start climbing up and then pull the rope as hard as you can to see what they do. So so you imagine you're you know you're you're tied in. They're belaying you. You climb. Um, you know you climb. 10 feet up the climb, like an easy climb, you're not going to fall off, then just get the rope and give it the most massive tug as hard as you can. Now, what you'll find is some some people will let go of the rope because they get shock. You know, some people will like, they'll be be yanked off balance and they'll fall forward and they'll put both their hands out to stop themselves from like face planting into the rock. Um... You know, so some people will hold on, you know, and some people will just the rope isn't holding. They're not holding on to the rope in the right way, and it'll like whip out of their hands. So that's a that's a good sort of test. Um, like I've seen a lot of people basically hit the ground, uh, both in climbing walls and outdoors, where the person who was belaying was like, "Oh, I didn't think you were going to fall off," or you know, the <laughs> you know, they kind of you, sh- you shouldn't really. You shouldn't really go around belaying someone in a way that isn't actually belaying. It's just sort of, um, you know, <laughs> NPC, you know, belaying where you're just pretending, you know, you're just acting like someone belaying, but you're not really. It would be a little bit like having a um, some kind of sentient dry, uh, seatbelt on your car and the first time you have a crash, you know, you go flying through the window and the seatbelt was like, oh, I didn't actually think you were going to crash. Like, you've been so safe all these years that I wasn't really actually being a seatbelt. I was just looking like a seatbelt. So it's very it's very important that that aspect of belaying is that people understand, like, what the hell they're actually supposed to be doing. Like, you're not just... Like my like Ella, my daughter, has been learning to drive, doing driving lessons. And I said to her, like, the... the, 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 the um, the uh the purpose of dri- of driving lessons is not to not to be able to pass your driving test which is what which is like what i would say 100% of people think the 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 the, the role of a duty of a driving instructor is to teach you how to pass your driving test so the the the, the role of a of a of a of learning to drive is that you don't fucking kill yourself when you're driving a car or kill somebody else which is probably worse than killing yourself and um so so with a lot of things it's uh you just really got to sort of focus on what the actual you know what the aim is of of what you, of what you're doing so um so one way to do that i guess is to give a demonstration of what it feels like for someone to fall to fall off and you could do that ideally the best place to do that is in a climbing wall where you get someone to you know take a take a lead fall in a climbing wall but but work up to that like you know take some like top rope falls and so the so the person feels the what it feels like to hold a fall um like i've 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 probably i've probably held some quite big falls off people um and they're it's the it's the anxiety and the fear that it's going to be really horrible which is the thing that that's probably the worst thing. But when someone actually does fall, it's probably not so bad. It's probably like going parachuting. Like once your parachute's opened, you realise it wasn't that bad. But the idea of your parachute opening is like probably terrifying. So, um, so, so understanding what it's going to feel like when someone falls off, and knowing that your the rope isn't going to whiz through your hand as long as you're belaying properly, is very important. Now the 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 Matt Rescue, like the RF Matt Rescue, I was talking to someone the other day, like um, friend Heavy, and uh, they used to get a a tire, um, like a the tire off a truck. So you know, like not a tractor tire, but like you know, one that's maybe four feet, maybe four feet or three, you know, three and a half feet, four feet, sort of tire, like a, a big heavy tire, and they would and they would they would have it, they would get someone to do a body belay. And then they would like chuck chuck it off the cliff, and then that person would have to try and stop it. Like they must, I'm 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 assuming they must because the person would be will be near the top of the cliff, and they'd throw this tire off. So it was kind of a dynamic, um, you know, it's like a fact a factor two, like straight onto the, like hopefully it wasn't, but it, it, the photograph I've seen it looks like it was a fact. Is it factor two anyway? Yeah, to, uh, you know, like the worst kind of fall you could have straight on someone doing a body belay. 
and I think they stopped it when someone broke their arm. So, but I'm sure it was a very good, uh, very good technique. Um, like anyone, I would say that the majority of people, if they take, if there's a factor two, like I'm really bad at factor falls. I think it's factor two, isn't it? You know, you you're you're one meter up, and there's no be lane. You fall two meters. Yeah, so factor two. Um, you know, anyone who probably takes a factor two fall is probably not going to be able to hold it in the in in the real world. Like some. Maybe you will, but the chances are quite quite low because a lot of the the belaying systems we're using, um, you know, these days, like a, using a belayed like a tube device, is not really gonna. It will it will work, but it's probably not going to be as effective as you as um, using some old school thing like a a monta hitch or something. Uh, like a a grigri or a you know a device like that is going to will will stop you but then you know like a lot of people will get like pulled upside down and all sorts of bad things will happen so anyway so that's a separate thing but the the idea of of setting up a system of actually testing what it's like to take a kind of a heavy fall uh is a good idea like i remember I had a friend of mine uh, joe brown not the joe brown the other joe brown and he wanted to do a route where he knew he was going to take a massive fall and we went to the foundry climbing wall and he went up and he sort of climbed. He didn't clip the the bolt under this roof and he climbed above the roof and then he clipped, didn't clip the next bolt and then he, then he climbed a bit higher. And then I sort of gave, gave him out some slack as well. I really didn't have to give any slack out, but I, unfortunately I did. And he then like jumped off. And honestly, as he was falling, like the whole the whole all the sound like went out of the whole climbing wall everyone just like everyone suddenly was aware that there was a human being flying through the air and he literally stopped with his feet like you know like a foot off off the ground or something so yeah stretchy ropes and missing out gear is not a good you know and giving out loads of slack uh it's not a good idea so but it's a you know i probably hardly felt it i probably hardly felt the you know the weight of him on me so so I think I think the the German Alpine Club do actually do things like that, but I'd, I've never seen anybody else doing it. Like if you're in a, you know, if you're doing a like learning to transition to climbing on the outdoors, or you're in sort of climbing a climbing club, it'd be very, it'd be a very good thing to to do. And this probably leads into another aspect of it is like where to stand. Now the it depends how heavy you are, but you are generally always best standing. You know in line with the rope the direction of the rope um, if you're on good rock and everything else and because you because again you don't want to a be pulled into the rock you know you, if you're if you're kind of an, a normal weight person you don't need to have like an generally don't need like an upward pulling piece of gear I, I, I tend to you know not bother but you um you know if you you don't want to be like catapulted into the rock like head fair head fair especially if you're not wearing a helmet or yanked upwards like into a you know un- under a roof or something like the, like you'll see in the, the in the sort of diagrams of how not to be there but the but the number one thing is 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 not being like pulled forward but the other thing is again it's like this is like a thing that's kind of well well known the longer you've been climbing is the further you f- further you stand away from the crag the more you're gonna the rope is going to um, go in a direct line from the from the from the belay point to the top piece of gear that's taking the weight, which can often mean that all the gear underneath, if it's all if it's lots of nuts and not being placed well, they'll all kind of like pull out of the rock because they're kind of being pulled upwards, not not downwards. And then, so yeah, I've, I've had a few experiences where I've fallen off and I've like the belay was standing in the wrong place and nearly all the gear has pulled out and that that's that's often a very good way of people decking out you know they fall and all the gear pulls out and then when the full weight goes onto the the top piece of gear that gear fails as well and then the person sort of has no gear underneath them and and decks out so um so that's that's a very important thing about position and then the other the other thing is you really want to be you want to be standing up and you want to be paying attention to the person be laying like you don't want to be laying on your back or you don't want to be sitting down if you if you can avoid it you want to have a bit of an action pause because a few reasons like sometimes you may have to take a gear in um very very quickly and it's quite hard to do that 
to take rope in very quickly. You, it's actually quite hard to do that. Uh, laying down or standing up is not is not as easy as you think. Um, to break the rule, um, to break one of the rules, if you're standing up, you can actually run away. You know, run away from the the rock. Like if you have a good upward pulling piece and the rope's running through it, if the person who's climbing is very run out and they fall, then actually you running away and taking in the rope through that through the upward pulling piece, like at the very beginning, uh, is actually a, a very good way of stopping someone from hitting the deck. You're not going to be able to do that if you're. Uh, I think there's a there's a thing called a Russian belay, which is where you just um, you know you just have two hat. You just like one person is pulling on the rope with both hands, so they're not they're not actually belaying, and the other person's like taking the rope in. Uh, <laughs> but I don't know if I've actually seen that demonstrated. I think that's what those people used to do that on on really scary slab climbs, like even in the Tuolumne Meadows. You know, you might have like a, you might be looking at like a eighty meter fall if you fall off because there's like no gear in forty meters. So as you're sliding down, if someone can be like pulling the rope, you know, pulling the rope and somebody else taking it at the same time, you might you might save yourself a couple of you know twenty meters of sliding down the the slab. So so yeah, so having a having an action pose is kind of important. And then you then if it is run out you need to not be in a position where you're going to get wiped out by the by the person falling you don't want them to hit you uh you know if they, like if a human being hits you uh they could very easily knock you out or break your break your brain you know break your skull break your arm whatever uh i know somebody where they they're basically on a on an aid route on in yosemite and he fell off and when he was he basically ripped all the gear out and then the rope somehow like went over the arm of the belay and it like bent into his arm and things so um again like factor the factor two falls out good in any in any in any way so um so yeah so so being aware of not being hit by someone who's falling down is uh is is a good idea and that's where again like maybe you'd want to place like an upward pulling piece or a cam that so the cam should work in all directions ideally so you know, so you, so even if you even if to stand off to one side and prepared to like you know run or whatever, then you're not going to rip all the gear out. And then the next one is you've got if you've got like loose rock or ice climbing, that then you generally don't want to be directly underneath the where the person's climbing, and uh, you know you you want to always want to be the, you want to want the climber to sort of traverse away from you and not you know not be knocking rocks on you because if you hit if you know, if the if you knock your B layer out, that's not good. Um, when it comes to B laying an unconscious B layer, you could get you could probably get stuck if you had like the, you know, <laughs> I've heard of people like being unconscious and still holding onto the rope, so maybe you'd be all right. But if you had like a Grigri or something and your B layer was unconscious, you could be like you know stuck there. So, so yeah, so so that kind of um, on on the ground, this is like those kind of things are kind of important when it comes to. Kind of multi-pitch routes, you you are more limited. Um, like one thing I think it's always important is that you're able to you're able to if you can be able to, you know, reach the B layer. Like if you got a, um, if you got um, if you're using um like a guide B layer device or something, and you kind of extended yourself away from the the B layer, and something happens where it's I don't know like it's often I can't think of the example now but you but you, you ideally what you don't want to be extended too far from the belay unless you are actually belaying off your off your you know doing like a direct belay not doing an indirect belay off your harness you know say you're on say there's a tree and it's 10 feet away and you put the rope around the tree and then you you trail back towards the edge and you're belaying that, that, that that's fine but if you uh if you uh, if you if you're doing a direct belay off the tree and then you walk all the way back to the edge and you're pulling the rope through, um, you know ideally you want to be an arm's reach of, of where your belay device is, even if you're doing like a that that kind of belay. Um, in, in that in that kind of situation, you might be better using a uh, like a monta hitch, like putting tra- trailing the rope up, you know. Th- in, into a tire monta hitch and then back down to you or something. I don't know why that would be better, but I think it might be better anyway. So, um, yeah, so you are, you are generally uh, limited, but it's the same thing. Like if there's if it's 
if you're on a multi-pitch route, like where you stand and things, you you uh, you've always got. It depends how many people you're climbing with. Uh, if you're going to be standing there the longest, then you you generally want to be the person who's got the best you know best place to stand, and uh, you don't you don't want to be somebody who's like afraid to hang on the belay. Like that's probably not good if you don't trust your belay to hang on it. So sometimes you might have to swing out the way. Like if you're using a a a um a guide belay device, like an auto locking sort of auto assist. You've got all this language right these days. Assisted belaying auto whatever. Um, you you it's good to have the belay set up so it's very easy for the next person to climb on. So maybe as you're belaying, um, you want to like be ta- taking the gear off your rack and sticking it ready. You know, get it all sorted out. So it's on, you know, clipped into the belay somewhere, so that as soon as the the climber gets there, they can, you know, they, they can clip in. Um, like one thing, you, one thing you can do is you can uh, often you can climb when you get to the, you get to the belay, and then you sort of climb on, and then you you, pl- you place the first piece of gear in, and then you clip one rope, and then you come back down, and then you set the you set all the belay all the belay up. And that person can always tie into tie into your ropes if you know what I mean. So you've got they've got the first piece of gear clipped. Um, so you haven't got the the factor two kind of uh, possibility like that because you've already you've already got you've got the belay underneath you. You know you've got some gear in the belay, and then you're climbing past it and getting the first piece of gear, and then you're coming back down to the belay. If that makes any sense, because even if it was like sketchy climbing, you've you've basically got the belay you know, very solid gear to protect you. But when it comes to the next person to lead on, they've only got the B list, so they're going to take a factor two onto the B list. So that's a that's a thing. Um so yeah, so you kind of you kind of you kind of you know, like having having your uh if you've got like a climbing pack, um you know, if it's kind of not super super great weather, you know, often you get to the B lane you'll be hot and sweaty or whatever. Like it's it's worth getting ready for standing there for quite a long time, you know. You don't want to be like belaying and getting colder and colder and colder, and you and you don't want to take your hands off the rope and, you know, get your get your jacket out or whatever. So that's where the that's why the auto belay devices are quite good because you can the guide devices so you can have a drink, get something to eat, put your jacket on while you're belaying the you know your seconds um, up the climb really. Uh, like a, a thing about f- factor two falls, a very good technique to uh, understand is if you don't want to use a um, a munter hitch, so um, uh, alpine, what's it called? <laughs> Italian hitch. Yeah, if you don't use it, if you don't use an Italian hitch or a munter hitch, is so a good thing about a munter hitch is that if someone takes a factor two fall. Uh, the 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 munter hitch because it's kind of it's like you're belaying um, direct, uh, so all the force comes onto the belay, um, but also uh, a, a munter hitch is just very very effective of that uh, in that kind of in that kind of uh, that kind of fall. Like if you're if you just have the rope, so if you had like a Jesus piece, a Jesus piece is a a carabiner or a quick draw. You clip into like one piece of your belay. If, if you say you had like two bolts. Um, you've you know got a sling and you're attached to the two bolts. You're the bee layer, and then the the leader's rope goes through one bolt, clipped into a quick draw, and then they're climbing up. And say they're say they're twenty feet above you, and they fall off, and they just fall directly onto the onto the bee layer. They're not falling directly onto your harness. They're falling directly onto the the Jesus piece. But what what will happen is that just acts like a um, uh, what do you call it? Um, Anyway, actually, actually, a pulley, and it just it'll just like yank you, yank you up into the into the Jesus piece, and maybe you'll you'll let go. So a better alternative is to is to clip in a. Ideally, you want like an HMS style carabiner. You 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 put in a munter hitch in, into the into the into carabiner clipped into one piece of gear. Now the munter hitch, you can either. You can either just use the munter hitch as it as it's like that, and you're just paying the rope through the munter hitch. Uh, like if you, it's worth having some. Like you don't need leather, leather gloves, but it's kind of it's kind of good for your confidence to have some kind of leather gloves for that kind of thing. But it, you don't need it. But it's just uh, 
if you're not if you've not done a, a monte hitch before it's it's kind of good but but a lot of people don't really trust monte hitches even though they should um so but what you can do you can actually just put the rope through your belay device on your harness like you're belaying someone traditionally and then and then the rope goes through the monte hitch so it means that if someone if the person does um does take a fall the they'll just be held completely on that on that piece now obviously if you were on some sort of dodgy dodgy pitch then you might not want to do that if the if the belay is not very good but if you've got like a really solid piece then that actually that makes you know that makes that makes you know it works very very well and i often if you're if you can just pay, pay the rope out properly and the person doesn't pull the rope too tight then the rope, you should be able to feed the rope through the munter hitch. So if you're belaying with your with your right hand, your left hand is pushing the slack rope up through the munter hitch as the other person is like is pulling the rope, you know, th- through the knot. But something it take it takes some kind of uh, takes some practice. Or you can just pull the rope, push the rope through your belay device and pull it through on the opposite side of the munter hitch. You'll have to you'll have to you'll have to practice it to see what I'm talking about, but but it's but it's it's a very uh, it's a very good technique. So if if someone does fall off, they'll the monto hitch will just hold them, and you probably won't even really feel it in your hands. Where the alternative the alternative of trying to be less someone through a Jesus piece piece, or you know, it falling directly onto you onto your belay device uh, is uh, you know it's you just got you just got to visualize that you're holding the belay device. And the rope is going to go, you know, it's going to go from twelve o'clock to like six o'clock, and it's going to really, you know, it's going to create a lot of kind of weird forces on your belay and your your belay device and your uh, your harness, your belay loop, and everything else. So, so yes, um, uh, blah, 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 blah. being aware of your weight vis-a-vis the leaders and what that means. So, yeah, so so heavy. Uh, the the Munter hitch thing is a, is a good way of dealing with the the weight difference between two climbers like if you're say you're a child and you're belaying your 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 parent then um i was gonna say gonna say your dad then that's being sexist you know women anyway so um so that that again is a good technique so if you were belaying say at the crag or or whatever you would um you would try and maybe create like a be a belay point that's kind of fixed. Uh, so you've got a crack. You could try and create a belay point where the uh, the belay device is actually di- clipped in direct into that belay point, um, not onto the harness at all. And the person, the the, the the lighter person, is just bringing the rope through the through the the munter hitch, uh, which is I it's very common. It's very common. It's very common in Germany munter hitch to do that kind of thing. Like people will often you often see people will have a you know they'll they'll have a boulder and the sling will be around the boulder and the munter hitch is like at their feet and they're just pulling the rope through as they're climbing. But it just it just you just got to play around with it and just build up your confidence of how how good it is. You can get that you can get that device if you're climbing in climbing walls and on bolted climbs that takes it's a bit like a cleat I think and it just takes some of the weight when the if the leader falls off if someone's very very light. Um, but I've never actually used one. But I'm sure it's uh, I'm sure it's kind of effective. Um, oh yeah. Otherwise, even if you like, even if you attach the person to the ground, you you just have to do it well. Like you don't want to create a situation where the person ends up again, like being catapulted into the, you know, into the into the rock. Um, yeah, I think you just have to be you just have to be very wary of uh, of having re- of a big difference between climbers. Like even even when you're top roping, you know, I've seen people. One person going down, and the person going up in the air. The when the belay and the lead, the person's not not heavy enough. Um, knowing when to keep tight and catch hard, or give a bit of slack and catch dynamically. Like a, I think the the dynamic versus tight thing is is very. Um, I don't know. In in I think in reality, like often the places where you want to give like a dynamic catch. It probably doesn't really happen because it's just there's a lot going on probably in that, you know. I know like on a big wall that's where you'd really want to do a, like a dynamic catch, as in 
you know, allow the rope to slide through your belay device or whatever device you've got to try and reduce the impact, the impact force. Like if you if you want a good way of seeing, a good way of imagining impact force is that the piece of gear, um, whether it's dynamic or non-dynamic, like the fall, um, say you fall on a piece of, say you take a fall and you're falling onto a wire, like a piece of like, 10 mil wire or you take a fall and you're falling onto an elastic band that's like that can't break the the amount of force uh the amount of um is it force the amount of force the amount of um yeah the force that's going to be applied to the whatever it's attached to the piece of gear is exactly the same but it's the amount of time it has to absorb that force so with a piece of wire the force would be you know, say like um, um, <coughs> say like ten kilonewtons of force has to be absorbed by this piece of protection, but the piece of protection has only got a strength of of ten kilonewtons. Say so, the force would be transmitted immediately. So that piece of gear would have to absorb would would be asked to to hold ten kilonewtons of of force impact force in that in that instant, and therefore it would it would probably fail. Where when you fall on when you fall on the uh, the elastic band, it still has to absorb 10, 10 kilonewtons of force, but the force is spread over maybe like you know two seconds. So the actual um, peak force is is much lower. So it might only ever reach say five kilonewtons of, of, of force onto the thing. But the weight that has to has to has to hold the same amount of weight, but it has longer to longer to do it. So. So the idea is that if someone is falling onto a an RP zero on a on a slab and they're sliding down into it, is the person who's belaying would just allow lots and lots of rope to sort of slide through the belay device, and therefore you know stop the gear from from failing. But I think I think mostly when it when people are belaying, they just tend to just instinctively just lock the belay device off, uh, and they don't. You know that you'd have to really be a really great belayer, I think, uh, like a you know really really good at it, and um, do a lot of practicing beforehand. And you need you need like leather gloves. You need like a really good belay device. Like maybe you'd even have a like a non-belaying device. Maybe you'd have a like a figure eight or some or some other kind of uh, maybe do a body belay. Like a body belay is dynamic because you can only hold so much force with your body. So it means that the the rope is going to pull through through around your body uh, and then it will you know that's why in winter climbing they often said to a body belay if someone's uh you know doing like an you're just sitting in the snow and you haven't got a belay at all then uh, you might be able to stop someone dynamically but generally the, the story is is always that you know someone falls and you start you start doing a dynamic body belay and the person is just going, going faster and faster and then eventually you run out of rope, and then you just get yanked off, and you off you both go down together. So it's so yeah, so it's a it's a nice idea, but I don't know if it would actually work. Like if you're on if you're on a Scottish gully or somewhere, and there's like spindrift like pouring down your head, and you can't see anything, and your friend falls off, like you just have to hope the person's doing any kind of belaying. You know, they might might not even be holding onto the rope at that at that point. So uh so it's a, but it's a nice idea so it's worth it's worth it'd be worth p- practicing if you're doing the if you say I had a day with this car tire throwing off a throwing off a cliff or off a tree or something it'd be worth um playing around and see see you know how how good it was uh what what do you what do you, what are some of your basic commandments that should be broken when belaying um i guess the obvious one is uh don't take your hands off the rope don't know if you actually I think I, I do try and follow that. Like sometimes you might like end up having the hand, like the rope, you know, wrapped around your leg or something. But um, you know, when you're taking photographs or something, you might sort of not be holding it in the in the perfect position. But you are still kind of holding on to it. And if you if you can't hold on to it, then you need to you need to know how to tie off your belay device. And I wouldn't you just tying a figure of eight in it isn't probably good enough um most of the time you want to learn how to do it do it properly um uh, uh, uh what's not it's not called a donkey hitch what's it called um anyway well you need to learn how to tie your belay device off my brain's too tired to think of what, what it's called 
Um, uh, other commandments. Mm, I think pay pay attention. That's probably one of the the main commandments. Like, it's very one of the worst things. I know I do it myself. Is when you're like, if, I guess if you're if you're climbing the climbing wall, you should really focus on the person who's climbing. Now I don't follow this rule myself, but it is it is distracting when you when you're climbing and you're and you're kind of a bit afraid. You think you might fall off, and the person. Is not not really concentrating on you. They're just like having a talk to somebody else. It's kind of a, I suppose it's it's not really respectful, is it? Because that person, you know, if they if they like give you their give you their hundred percent attention and they're you know they're they're there for you, dude. You know, then if it's it's a bit like disrespectful. Like they don't even give you the the same in return, and it's like oh, I'm just bored. I just got to be like this person, and it's my turn. So it's. So I guess that we that's not a commandment, but I think that's something always worth thinking about, especially if some people don't mind other people talking, but other people do, and it sort of puts them off. They want to feel like, you know, you, you're just like standing there on a ledge, and it's like a sunny day, and you're having having some crack with the people, not literally crack, but you're having a you're having a laugh with the people on the ledge, where you know the person who's leading, they're up there and they're like, you know, fighting for their lives, and it's that's not that's not very good. Um, like people, people are really obsessed about not standing on your rope, but I don't, I don't think standing on your rope's that big a deal, really, unless it's, unless it's really muddy. You know, if you're on a nice ledge, it doesn't really. I don't think it really matters that much. Like you don't want to be getting muck into your rope; it's gonna, you know, wear it out. But I don't, I'm not really, I'm not that bothered about people standing on my ropes as long as, as long as it's dry and it's. Um, like I heard, I heard of somebody once getting punched in the face for standing on someone's rope, so. Um, yeah, I guess it's someone. Someone I once guided somebody. He had this story that he was. He had a he had a guide uh, who was uh, teaching him to. I think it was in Yosemite, like a Yosemite mountain guide, and he was being taught how to lead. And the guide had sort of set him up on a top rope, and the idea was he was he was climbing, and he was he was he had a rope clipped into him. He was placing gear. He was placing gear and um, clipping the rope into the gear as he was going up, and the guide was like standing there, belaying him so he was safe, and then what, like giving him advice and watching. But anyway, this guy was incredibly slow, and you know the 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 guide went from like standing up watching him, and then he was kind of then sitting, <laughs> then he was sitting down watching him, and then he was lying down watching him, and then he sort of moved over to the trees where there's some shade, and he was lying under the shade of the trees watching him. And the guy was like on this pitch for hours and hours and hours, and then he was quite near the top, and suddenly he fell. Instead of the rope holding him, he was like flying down the rock face. Then suddenly the rope like twanged tight, and he was and he looked around, and the guy had actually tied the rope off to a tree. He wasn't even belaying him anymore, and he sort of jumped up like he was asleep, and he was like, "Hey, dude, that was your first leader fall or something." So, um, so yes, that's probably not that's probably not good. I I have actually. A few occasions I've been beeling someone, someone, I fell asleep. Um, but I had a gree-gree, so it didn't really matter. Like, if you got a gree-gree, you know, you can... If you if someone's taking a very long time to lead a pitch, like if you're on a big wall and the sun's beating down on you, it can be quite easy to fall asleep. So that's, maybe so falling asleep is should be one of the commandments. Don't fall asleep when you're, when you're beeling somebody. And uh, don't drop people un- unintentionally. Like, I have this joke, this story about climbing uh mermoz in patagonia like doing like a winter ascent of mermoz and doing this it was all kind of mixed climbing apart from there's one bit where there was like some aid climbing and i was aiding up this uh i basically started going up one way up and off with crack and i couldn't i, I couldn't do it that way so i think i ended up like swinging putting some gearing and sw- swinging across to another crack and then i started going up that crack and i was like leapfrogging some gear until I was high enough that the I wouldn't have this like dog leg from the rope, and then I started leading. I had two I had two ropes, and I had like a thick rope and a thin rope, and I think I pendulumed on the thin rope, and then I was like then I started clipping the thick rope in. Anyway, I was I was I was quite high, and I put a peg in. I was standing on this peg, and I could feel it might pull out, and in the while I was standing on it, it did pull out, and instead of just falling onto the next piece of gear, I ended up falling like quite a long way. And uh, and then eventually I stopped, and then Ian who was beeling me, I was like, take take me on the, 
green rope or something. He was like, green rope? I thought you were climbing on the red rope. And basically he was like holding on to just one of the ropes because he thought that was the rope I was climbing on, but I was on, I was on both ropes. So, so yeah, so but drop, dropping people, it, it's going to happen, but it's just just kind of limit it as much as you can. Um, what about culture? Where does Who does it well? Germans can be poor at it, the French worse, the Irish a bad copy of the Brits, Americans better than the most. The American, Americans... I think the Americans are good at belaying. They have, I don't know why, but they have a very, they can be quite formal about it. They're very good at communicating. Like, there must, there must be quite a good system of people being taught by mount, by mountain guides and instructors and people on how to climb. Because there is definitely, you do see some terrible belaying, but there is probably a lot less terrible belaying in America than there is, like, in France and things. Like, I think. This is this is a terrible, gross. You know, it's not it's not very nice to say this, but and it's probably not true anymore. But in in the past, I did often notice that, say, French and Italian climbers, they were very they often seem very sketchy, and I think it probably came from climbing in the Alps, where sketchiness is probably quite a handy thing to do, and to, for as long as it lasts. But you know, but they would. Uh, just be lay off like a single peg, you know, be like a fixed peg, and they would just, you know, be lay off, be lay off that without nothing else. Or they would just, just do things that you wouldn't necessarily do. Really, I think uh, British climbers have a kind of weird, a weird mixture, because you know you come from a tradition where climbers aren't falling off. So a lot of people aren't really, you know, if you fall off and your partner holds you, it's probably more luck rather than you know, but rather than the the than design. So. Uh, Germans, yeah, I think Germans often they have, they have they have techniques which look a bit strange sometimes, but um, you know they have the, this. It seems again comes from this more of an alpine sort of thing where I think British climbers came from more from maybe climbing in the UK, like climbing, you know, in in Wales and that kind of thing. It's very it's very hard to to, to think. But I think Amer- yeah, I think Americans are quite. Like especially you know like if you're climbing, if you're someone who's been climbing in like the Sierra and uh, Yosemite and like America's got so much amazing rock like Red Rocks, all these kind of places, it does develop very very good uh, crag cragmanship skills, like very good communication, uh, speed. I would say probably better than than alpine climbing does, because often you're doing you know very long routes with like long approaches and you're trying to get them done in a day um and it just it just creates very efficient climbers and also you you're getting in a lot of mileage where if you're climbing in the alps you have a lot of b- b- crappy weather so you're not climbing as much like if you if you went if you go over to Tuolumne meadows or the sierra high sierras you 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 know you, you could be climbing every single day and you might be doing like you know 15 pitch you know 15 pitch routes and just just getting so much climbing done and you know long long routes you know 40 meter pitches 50 meter pitches you're going to have to be get, you have to be very good at communicating and if you're doing a lot of abseils down and you know general crag kind of navigation you 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 know you get you get very good at it i think that's maybe that's one reason why americans are yeah, good. Uh, like Canadian climbers are good, but they're maybe a little bit more like Brits, really, because they've got a lot more. I think they've got a lot more crappy weather and crappy rock, so they're they're a bit more. You know, they they're all come from they're all descended from Scots climbers and you know those kind of people. Um, so yeah, I think it's it's the 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 cult. I think the culture can can change. You definitely have a lot more climbers who are coming out, and we you know I've been saying this for like twenty years, thirty years, but a lot of climbers. Who are coming out of climbing walls, so they've never, you know, done any trad climbing, and they've never done any like long multi-pitch routes. So it's like a steep, you know, like a steep learning curve, learning to do with all those, all those kind of things. Um, so yes, yeah, so it's hard to know how to model yourself on it. I think just model yourself on the ideal. You know, you want to basically be like a mountain guide. You know, you want that kind of. Uh, you want to be efficient. You want to be safe. You don't want to kill anyone. You don't want anyone to kill you. Um, you want to be knowledgeable. You want to have lots of um, skills in your tool toolkit of what you know how to deal with problems. 
and you don't you just want to avoid dramas basically i think the more skills you have the less dramas you have like i noticed you know when i went off like like climbing for two years and just basically rock climbing for two years when i went off to like africa and australia and places and you know you're when you climb every day, you do you do have you, basically nothing ever happens. You just go climbing, where before because I used to have like a big gaps between going climbing and then when I went climbing, I'd be doing something sort of gnarly. You know, I'd always I'd get into epics. So it just wasn't up to speed up to speed really. So um, so yeah, it's all about the getting the mileage in. Um, so what about devices? What should a beginner be using? So. Um, like I think you know, like a, I think you just, I think it's best to start with a, uh, you know, like a standard belay device, like a guide belay device, and learn, you know, learn how to belay that way, and then learn how to, you know, set up a, set up a, you know, direct belaying, indirect belaying, um, tying off your belay device, uh, lowering people on your belay device, like like. So belaying isn't, you know, belaying isn't just belaying the leader or, you know, belaying the leader up or, you know, you have to learn how to lower people and do it. You know, it's a really, it's it's much more complicated than you think belaying to do it, to do it properly, especially when it comes to setting up trad belays and, uh, you know, you know, be, being being safe on multi-pitch routes and stuff. Like, and a lot of people, again, you can do it in a sketchy way, but you really want to, you really want all your belayers to be able to take that factor two fall and you want a belay that you could you know lower someone down if you need to and uh you know you really need to understand the differences between using your ropes set up a belay or using a cordelette or using a sling or using like a natural belay um you know that you want to be able to use a body belay you want to be able to use a munter you want to know when you could use a you know a belay um you know, like a micro traction to belay somebody up. You, there's, 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 you know, there's like a lot of skills when it comes to belaying. But I think, you know, you could start by doing a body belay, but you probably to, you know, if you're going to be doing climb where people are going to be falling off all the time, that's not a good idea. So you want to, you want to learn to use like a tube belay device and, uh, and really, really, really feel comfortable with it. And then you want to then progress on to using uh, like a, a assisted belay device, like a Grigri or something like that, and learn how to use that properly, and then learn how to use a Munter hitch. Like you could get, you could put the Munter hitch first, um, but I'd probably I'd probably do it in that order, and uh, yeah, learn learn so you feel confident that you can hold someone's fall in with any of those things. Um, so yeah. And I guess a lot of them, there's a lot of like wacky belay devices on the market. But I'd probably, I'd probably start with something, you know, something like main, a mainstream, like a the Petzl, you know, um, Reverse or whatever it is. You know, you use use something like that, like a Black Diamond, whatever. Like the first time you ever used the Black Diamond, um, what's it called? Flight con, fl- uh, uh, air controller. What's it called? Traffic, traffic forest. <laughs> Air traffic controller, whatever it's called. I can't it's called now. Anyway, one of those ATC. Um, first time I ever used an ATC. The first time I, someone fell off, I, I almost like it almost like hit the ground because I never used something. I never used one of those before. I would only use like a stitch plate, like a a, 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 a uh, sprung stitch plate. Then with the days, and which is which was very you know it would like really lock off really really easily. So yes, yeah, so that was uh, that was yeah. It's, it's good to know how these things work. Um, but they don't, they don't all work the same, that's for sure. So how bad would a partner have to be for you to say fuck this clip in direct? Anyway, how how would it have to? How bad would it have to be? Well, I, to be honest, I've climbed with some pretty bad belayers. Like I've, I've climbed people who literally have never belayed in their lives. Uh, don't know how to. Like when there's a store when when I was climbing Ulvatana, um, I was climbing with you know several people who really weren't climbers at all who were base jumpers and they all they all had a grigri so the idea was you know the grigri like i wasn't hopefully i wasn't going to be falling off but if i did fall off then the grigri should work so those two things together meant i I shouldn't die if i did fall off and but one of them he dropped his grigri so the only 
for some reason, I just showed him how to use a munter hitch, I think. And he ended up leading. For some reason, he led this. He led a. Did he lead a pitch? Maybe he led a pitch up on this ridge, and then. To, so he got to the he got to the B layer, and then he was B laying me over, and uh, I was basically I had to step across a big gap. It was like a big chimney, and I had like a hole bag on my back. And as I was pulling myself across the other side, both the holes just broke off because the rock was very crappy. And I just kind of fell down this chimney. And luckily, I landed on my back on a snow mushroom. I must have only fallen like five five feet or something. Fell, landed on a snow mushroom. And I was kind of winded, but I got up and I managed to climb back up. And when I got to him, I didn't really say anything. But then I was, you know, I was just getting ready to lead, for me to lead the next pitch. And then I was just kind of like, oh, by the way, I just... I just like nearly died, nearly fell down there. And he said that basically he didn't really understand how a Munter Hitch works and he wasn't actually holding on to it at the time. I think he just thought that if the rope went tight, it would just lock the nut, you know, like a like a like a clove hitch, but it that didn't happen, it just didn't work. So so yeah, so but I have I have a countless countless times of being with someone who literally people had never be laid before. Like I I I climbed with someone recently where I said, have you got a belay device? And he said, I've got two. And he looked down and one was a pulley and one was a belay device. And I was thinking, I don't think you know what a belay, what a belay device is. Uh, but we still went climbing. So sometimes you are climbing with people where you know that you are basically soloing. It's probably how, I guess, how mountain guides prof- often do this, where they know they're just soloing up something and they just hope they don't fall off, which is probably not a good idea. Uh, I should really, yeah, it's, it's not a good idea. You really, you really... You know, it's like someone packing your parachute who you've never met before and has never packed a parachute. It's probably not a good idea to go parachuting with that person. Uh, pack your own parachute or take somebody else who knows how to. You know, like climbing climbing as a three is probably a good idea. You can keep an eye on it. And and, and if worst West comes to it, if there's two people who can't be there, then one person, one one of them can hold the rope and the other one can like be there. So uh, hopefully that that will work. So yeah. Um. I noticed that there was not necessarily a correlation between good climbers and good belays. No, that is definitely true. Like, I would, I would say, I think I don't know if I've ever said it, but I think, you know, I think, uh, I think Alex Honnold is actually quite dangerous. I think he's a very dangerous influence on, on climbers because he just, I don't know if it's like perform performance performative or if it's just, you know, if it's not, I don't know, but I just. I, I think often he sets kind of a bad example. Uh, like I know I I made, I made I set many bad examples myself, but you know I you know like just just very slack. You know whether he's belaying, belaying someone or someone's belaying him, and so it's kind of part of the part of the culture, isn't it? Really, um, to not really take these things that seriously. But I think a lot of people are often looking on who um, you know who might think that's fine. You know, for someone to be like belaying, you know, the ropes coming out of the belay device into a big pile of rope on the ground and up to the person who's climbing. Like, it's kind of funny, but it's not it's not so funny when you fall off. Um, so. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, a lot a lot of be, a lot of people have probably gone their whole lives without ever really being that good at belaying. But no one's ever going to point it out for them. And generally, you always you always kind of get away with it. Um, but it is is worth is worth recognizing your own failings, really um, the things you don't really know. But you do have to know something to begin with to know what you don't know. Um, so it's so yeah. So that often don't don't look at other people and think like, oh, well, he does it that way. That must be the right way to do it. Like just try and work out what yourself what's you know what's kind of safe. And I'm sure, like I remember when I was in the in Yosemite when Adam Ondra was doing. Try when he was repeating the dawn wall, like he he was like climbing up the first ten pitches with a grigri and a jumar, which is the last way you want to do that. Like that is a really you'd be knackered by the time you got to the top of the thing, but you just didn't know how to jumar properly with two jumars and or whatever. So you know, don't always assume that just as so someone's like the greatest climber in the world, that he's, a, that he's actually the greatest climber in the world. You know, he might be physically the greatest rock climber in the world, but he might not be the best climber in the world. So, um, so yeah, so yeah, so 
be, be careful of your heroes, really. Uh, there's like many, many. I've probably got loads of stories about people doing. Like there was a famous story where I think Stephen Venables he just climbed Everest. I think it was. I think it was the first Brit to climb Everest with oxygen. And he came down, and they wanted to go. The Blue Peter TV program wanted to climb Ben Nevis with him, and the mountain guide was there to keep an eye on the the you know the the talent like the TV presenter, and he said to something like Stephen, "Oh, can you just tie a an alpine butterfly in the rope for me?" And um, you know, and and Stephen was like, "What? I don't know how to do that." As you know, so so um so yeah, so some people just just get on with it and just go climbing, and they don't really they, they don't really know anything. They just know like two knots and that's it they wouldn't know how to rescue you or rescue themselves or even they probably know how to tie a prussic loop but that that's probably it so yeah you'd probably be shocked how little like you'd be shocked how little i know about stuff so or maybe you wouldn't be shocked but it's just i guess it's the more you the more you do it the more you use it the more you you know the more it's like ingrained into you into your into your brain like if you want to know about changing nappies you know i'm pretty good at that but uh but yeah, other I can't even remember the name of an ATC, so it shows I've not been climbing much recently. Um, so yeah, I guess that's I guess that's a, a rundown on belaying. Any any other belaying related things? Um, if you're doing a multi pitch route, I would always carry a spare belay device. Um, I would always I'd also try and learn how to belay if you've only got one arm. Um, so if you want to if you want to belay with one arm, there's various ways of doing it. So say you were say you broke your arm and you have to belay the other person to climb out. Like how would you do it with one arm? So that's a little just even work that out. Um, <laughs> um, you know, if someone was uh, you need to be, you need to be able to create like an auto belaying device uh, in an emergency. Say so if you if you had heat stroke and again you're belaying your 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 buddy who's gonna is gonna try and get out there and save you. Like, can you set up a belay device that you can belay with, ideally with one arm, um, that will lock off if you fall asleep or if you like go unconscious? Like that's another. Is there's lots of, lots of little things. Uh, yeah, I guess it's like you need to know how to release the tension on a on a loaded uh, guide plate. Like if you if someone's hanging underneath you or whatever. Like once I did a route in Twelmy Meadows and there was a a couple just behind us and there was a roof you had to climb over a roof to get to the belay and the wife was just underneath this roof and we were on the same belay and we carried we kept on going and eventually she fell off and he was on a guide belay device and we climbed maybe five pitches and got to the summit and then came all the way back down and when we were walking along the bottom she was still hanging on the rope because basically She'd swung out into space on a guide belay device, and he didn't know how to how to remedy the situation. So he didn't know. I think he was too afraid to to touch anything because he was afraid that the rope might come out of the thing. So, um, so if you imagine that kind of situation, what would you do? Is uh, you know, you need you need to you need to sort of run through a lot of these scenarios in your head. So you you know you've got some idea like what you would do if that was if that was you, um, but yeah, is it? Remember, it's like a tool. Like, you know, it's a belayed device. It's got loads of different ways of using it. So just like a knot, just spend the time of of trying to work out lots of things. Like my book, my down book has got a lot of stuff in there about lowering on a belayed device. Uh, I need to do I need to do a book about belaying probably, but there's. There's uh that's got a lot of stuff about lowering, so that's kind of that's very very useful, um and an abseiling you know remember belay device it's like it's, it's an abseil device as well so it's a lot of the, a lot of some of the stuff that you use for abseiling it crosses over into you know into belaying as well so it's all it's all it's all good, so I guess I I need to go and make spaghetti bolognese now so I shall uh I shall sign off and I I shall do another podcast soon I've just seen a question come in about midweight belay jackets that never ends it's nice a never-ending smorgasbord of, of, of <laughs> amazing questions so get any got any questions send them in and um until next time uh, stay safe
At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.